Hi, it's Jay and welcome to another Outcast from London Magpie Group and AshleyOut.com. We've got a bumper podcast for you today uh, featuring lots of members of the group and some new members who are really keen to get involved and also make their comments and present a united voice on the podcast. So I'm going to introduce Andrew. How are you doing, Andrew? Yes, I'm very good, thank you. It's lovely to be on a Newcastle podcast. Never been on a Newcastle one before, been on Premier League one. So it's uh, nice to finally be able to talk about the tune. Excellent. So um, what's your experience of the club? How long have you been a supporter? Um, so since I was about maybe six years old, I think my first kind of hero, I think most people in that year era, was Andy Cole and Rob Lee. Andy Cole scored like the 34 goals that season and was just ridiculous. I was so devastated when he when he left to go to Man United. still remember Keegan on the step saying, you know, you need to trust me and we got Keith Gillespie. And this is back in the day, obviously, before we had Sky Sports News rolling and it was just a little clip on BBC News. Yeah, Andy Cole probably was my first memory. So um, I'm a season ticket holder. I've been one for the last four seasons. Excellent. And um, been to pretty much most away grounds. This year, not as many away games, but just obsessed with Newcastle, (laughs) Um, like most fans, I think. Andy Cole, not quite as bad as that guy who got tattoo on his back the day before he went. That was was an error of judgment. (laughs) It happens all the time, doesn't it? It's funny, I, I still regret getting Michael Owen. I mean, I'm not a Michael Owen fan. I still regret so much getting Michael Owen on the back of my shirt. Can't believe looking at what he did for us. It's just so devastated. He was, because I used to love him for England and he was just absolutely dreadful for us. Yeah. So um, it's a good point, I think, to move on to the most recent game. Yes. Uh, which was the, the showing at Arsenal. Yes. 2 um, 0. Quite a dire showing, truth be told. I was there. Uh, yeah. You watched it on TV, I believe? Yes, I did. What was your perception of things? I think this season, when whenever we've played a top six side, except for the Man U away game, Rafa has been very, very pragmatic. And he has decided that we're going to sit back, try and occasionally create one or two chances and see if we can damage limitation and if we can nick a goal. And um, it's hard to watch, I'll be honest, but it worked against Man City. That was three points you would never have expected. But for me, it definitely did work on Monday. Hayden and Diame were so deep that Arsenal had so much space to open. And it was just, we just really struggled to keep the ball. We couldn't really release Almiron. Perez, he's consistently inconsistent. He had one of his for me, one of his worst games. He really didn't make a huge difference. And I felt Rondon was quite isolated. So it's quite it's, it's a very frustrating game. I mean, I can't imagine. Obviously, you went to the game. I mean, what was the feeling in the away end? Um, I think the, the, the atmosphere was good. And uh, mm. people were buoyant and uh, full of songs. There were some really old songs being sang, which my dad enjoyed very much. Yeah, it was frustrating. I think the, the, the lack of possession and, and having the ball is a, is a real problem for the, the front three um, who have been excellent in the in the past few games, but they've they've just not had the chance to do anything. Arsenal were were superb. Were they superb, or were Newcastle just so defensive that we just there were times where we didn't even press the ball. Diar- I felt Diame had a very poor game for him. I felt they were so deep that Ozil had so much space to move into, and Gwen. I mean, Gwendozi was excellent. I agree, he had an excellent game, but I just felt that we gave them so much space. Gwen Doozy was the best player on the pitch yeah. for me. And then also the substitutions had a big say, which we'll come on to a little bit later. Yes. 
but yeah, I think it was just a golfing class, really. Mm. I mean, they were they were very 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 good. They're a great passing side, and and as well as our limitations, it uh, it was very hard to get hold of the ball, and the, the you know the possession possession stats, I'm sure, will bear out to be testament mm. to that. Do you think a game like that? we probably could have done with one of Key or Shelby, someone who can keep the ball a bit better. I think in many quarters, there are people calling for Shelby uh, to mm-hmm. come back. I mean, the, the the politics of things with Rafa in terms of team selection, tensions or, or some sort of uh, mistrust. You know, I, I think he's an excellent player on his day. I understand the criticisms of him, his application sometimes mm. and things like that. And, uh, Perhaps that's unfair, but uh, thinking about his um, his consistency, I think effort. You know that mm. I don't think he is 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 a poor professional, but uh, I think that he's he has a le- very laid back approach that sometimes is to mm. his credit. It means he's he it, it seems to draw a lot of criticism. I think yeah. the thing for me is when we started the season. Um, if you remember, Rondon had just come back from international duty, so we were playing Hosolu a lot of the time. Every time Shelby would look up it would be, you know, Hosolu making not a very good run, like kind of Atsu, Perez out of form at the start of the season. Now, I think if Shelby was to, like, play the ball, he's got Almiron, he's got Rondon, who's in really good form. He's had much more options this season, and I think his performances at the end of last year were so good. He was excellent playing he hasn't played well when he's been given a chance he should be in ahead of the army at the moment i think longstaff was miles ahead of shelby this year he got his injury so i, I do feel that he, we kind of need someone alongside a defensive midfielder to keep the ball to retain it and i think he would benefit now we have almiron we finally got someone who runs directly and has makes good runs mm-hmm. to kind of release him yeah, I think uh, Longstaff definitely threw um, a spanner in the works in a good way. I, I really liked I really liked the army in terms of his application as a pro, and he's an absolute titan at times. But something says to me that he's he's on borrowed time. He's an older player. Contract runs out, doesn't it? Indeed, yeah. There's a there's a game limit, I think. So yeah, I saw how, that. How true he's... that is, I don't know. For me, he. When we were in the championship, he underachieved hugely compared to the player I thought we were getting from Hull. But then last year, at the end of the season, obviously, when we had that really good run, he was excellent. The man you win, he was fantastic. Really, really played well. And this year, he's had a few good games, but there are games where he just keeps giving the ball away. And his, his tough first touch just doesn't look comfortable. And I think it's fine when he was injured, Shelby, so he was out, Shelby was out. But now we probably could do with someone to retain the ball a bit better, especially away from home, because I think we we are giving the ball away way too easily. Oh, certainly that was the case. There was a, a tweet on Twitter by The Right Tune, and he notified three different things that he thought was in, were important during mm-hmm. the game. I think on the defensive side of things, he indicated that he thinks that Cher is key. Not not as in key the player, <laughs> or, <laughs> but Cher is um, a key element of defence and, and I suppose in attack with the goals he'd scored recently. What are your thoughts on that? I think he is very, very good on the ball. And I think for me, he's much better than Dummett on the ball and he comes out of defence and obviously he's 
he's been he scored goals. I mean, that goal against Burnley was incredible. <laughs> I still think we would have lost the game. Lejeune and Shah, having them two in the team, your distribution is going to be better from the back because Lascelles is an out and out defender. Yeah. Um, and he he likes the, the ability to give it to one of those two who can. Lejeune's very good at passing it out, uh, passing, doing it like a switching the play or playing it into the strikers, whilst Shah can bring it out and pass into midfield. Um, so we kind of were a bit limited because Dummett, he's improved so much, but he's he's still not fully comfortable on the ball. The other issue was the covering Yedlin on the right side. Having Shah not there meant there was more gaps, I think, for the Arsenal team to exploit. And if you look at how Arsenal, they really were going down our left, our, our right side all the time to, to kind of get in. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely do think we missed him. I think he's, a, I mean, what a signing. I think three and a half million. You know, the Rafa's done very, very well. I mean, him and Lejeune have been very, very good cheap buys, really. He should definitely take some credit for that. We'll come to signings a little bit later on as well. I think yeah. that's a really important thing to talk about, especially towards the end of the season. Yedlin and uh, Richie, of course, on the other side. Richie uh, made a really important few uh, blocks, <laughs> yes. uh, particularly in the first half. But he's, he's drawn a lot of criticism as well in, in some quarters. So what, what do you think is going on there with the wing-back situation? I think what Rafa, when he started playing wing-back, he realised that basically he didn't trust Dummett as a wing-back he's not good enough going forward to play wing back so he wanted so he decided oh I'll convert Richie into a wing back for me Matt Richie this season has not been the same player I don't think he gets into the attacking positions even when he was playing on the wing so before we switched to these wing back roles for me his his greatest strength was that he would get forward he was good on set pieces one of our best players the last two years this year I think he's done a job at wing back, but again, he's not. It's not natural for him, and you can see it's not natural. And I also think his distribution is like the Bournemouth game was quite funny because the whole game I was just like, "Take Richie off! He's doing nothing. He's doing nothing." And then obviously he scored that amazing volley. <laughs> <laughs> but but generally his output this year is much lower, I think, than compared to the last two years, where probably after Gale and Shelby are third best player in the championship and then last yeah. year I'd say he was probably again probably our third best player I think Rafa likes him with Lascelles because where I sit in St James's Park you Richie was right in front of us and he's the loudest player he will constantly saying to the players get tight you know he, he you can see he's one of the leaders him and Lascelles really are the leaders of the group so I think mm-hmm. Rafa probably wants to get him into the team as well because he he, he knows he's got a spirit he's got something about him it's something you can't criticise our players for, despite the limitations. There seems to be a togetherness and a, an application that can be commended. Yes. When you compare this team to the team that went down, like the Sissoko team, the Wijnaldum team, Cissé, Colicini, Yamat and them lot, there's no comparison enough. You wonder whether they really cared that much. So, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I feel I can relate more to these players as well. That you know, they, they seem like really hardworking players. They might not be the top quality that we've been used to you know, 10, 15 years ago, but you've got to respect their effort. We're at a bit of a crossroads, really, I feel, with the manager wanting to mm. progress. And we're having players who, for two years since we've been promoted, been a lot of faith put in from, from the fans. We're starting to think, well, how can we improve now? Who can we get in? 
to improve the situation. Some of these players may be on borrowed time. I think there are players who would have been replaced if he had the money. It was it was quite well known that last summer he wanted to get Andros Townsend back to replace Richie, and that didn't happen. So we kind of stuck with Richie. Atsu is the same. He would have he would have liked to have got rid of him as well, and so forth. But because money wasn't forthcoming, every deal he tried to do just wasn't happening, and um, so he's tried to make the best of the situation. Um, so the other thing was to do with the tweet was the there's a lot of people who have been describing a tension between Almiron and Matt Ritchie. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, watching the match, it was, especially in the first half, there was so there was a, I would say four times where it was clear that Al, if he Ritchie released the ball, Almiron would have you know made a good run and been you know been a threat. When you talk about threat, the moment Almiron is the one who you think he could do something. He's the one who could take the ball past someone or create a chance or do something. And like Ritchie played the square ball every time, which actually is not really like him. Probably didn't believe it before the game. But because, you know, you hear all, all the time we hear Lascelles and Richie had a fight. This, but watching the match, I just thought, like, there must be something because he just wasn't passing to it, which was just... <laughs> which is just really frust- weird and frustrating. And, like, I think Rafa will have to speak to them because, you know, we can't really have that carrying on. You need everyone to be in it together. What, do, what did you think? Well, if I'm being optimistic, you'd like to think that it was... It's more a, a clash of styles and approaches, maybe. For whatever reason, they're just they're just not meshing, rather than it being some sort of antagonism. But you can't rule it out. Um, I mean, Richie's an impassioned player. Um, you know, I can believe that he there will be harsh words uh, mm. spoken. But what the what the sentiment is behind that, then? Yeah, the thing with me with leaders is leaders always have authority and so forth but if they are going to lead they need to be playing well I think the last few weeks Richie has not been playing well so maybe Almiron is like well you're not you're not doing anything special you're not like he's not playing as well as he like I said the last two years so I guess as a leader if you're not performing yourself it's hard sometimes it's harder to listen to someone who's not playing well themselves my thoughts were we were much better for seeing uh Key and Kennedy on there seemed to be an injection Mm. of pace uh, in the in the midfield uh, and obviously Richie wasn't happy for going off but um, I think it was necessary at the time because we seemed to gain a little bit more possession then but mm. to be honest I, I don't think in our heart of hearts even though uh, everyone's optimistic when they go on away games that we're expected to win that because mm. uh, the, gol- the golfing quality was evident. I mean we haven't won there since 2010 I think the Andy Carroll match so (laughs) that is a long time now I think it's just onwards and upwards now and and try to get to this 40 point mark uh Mm. come what may okay I think that's Arsenal covered we're going to hear now from Paul a fellow fan and we're going to hear his thoughts on the Arsenal game but also the politics surrounding it as well Arsenal match yesterday which was obviously Total golf in class, right? Um, so something that we were discussing at half time was that Ashley had this um, supposed Arsenal model for recruitment and whatnot, you know, and sort of focusing on kind of young nurturing young talent and stuff, you know. And obviously, we tried to, well, apparently put in bids for Aubameyang and um, Lacazette, both who played yesterday. And the sort of golf in class was so obvious when we brought on. Um, Muta, who I've 
think is probably going to be a decent player for them, but he's not in the class of <laughs> certainly not Aubameyang and then Mkhitaryan who they brought on. And it was just one of those situations where we sort of looked at each other when they brought Aubameyang on, and we're like, Jesus Christ, okay, game-changing player in any team, really. Yet they brought him on. You know, they didn't didn't start with him. It just shows the the total difference in in class, really. And yeah, I was just thinking about that whole he's supposed to be the Arsenal model that we we're following. And there's absolutely no sign of it anywhere, is that leading on from the you know, the whole Arsenal game last night, just the fact that it was the what was it, the nineteenth consecutive away match that we've had on a Monday night. And only two of those have been outside the uh, north of London. Which is just unbelievable. It's not a coincidence really. I, I think T V companies obviously they want the best atmosphere and the best you know, the best sort of matches that they can have on a, on a Monday night. Otherwise, nobody would watch them, really, if it was, you know, Burnley against Huddersfield. Nobody's really going to watch out on a Monday night. But they know for a fact that if you play a Newcastle match that is away from home, you're going to get loads of people from Newcastle watching it, in any case. But you're also going to get guaranteed, you know, sell-out away end. And that's going to create an atmosphere which helps you know helps sell the fixture doesn't it really um, so I think we're being basically kind of taken advantage of in, in more ways than one the Arsenal model was spoken about there and it's something that Mike Ashley fanfared how how close or far apart are we from that because it's about buying young promising talent with a view to developing them but as alluded to there, we seem quite far away from that. So what are your thoughts on that? So I think it's interesting, Newcastle, if you look at under Ashley, probably our best season was when we went and we went and got, you know, he had this model, you can only buy under 26 players. You know, we he, we kind of hit the lottery with a few of them, like Teote, Kabai, Ben Arthur, Cissé, Dembabar and so forth. And it was working because we were getting cheap players who were doing really well and go and develop a resale value. And I think the issue started, we started to notice that it wasn't really working when we went and we got players who kind of really didn't, didn't really work. We got we brought in players like Hidara, who wasn't really good enough. Do you remember Emmanuel Riviere? <laughs> oh, blimey! Yeah, six million, six million pound signing. So we we started buying, and the the players really weren't up to it. With Rafa, the kind of the model has changed. He's been allowed to go and buy, you know, players of a certain age. You know, you could you can look at signings like the the Rondon one, for instance. You know, twenty nine year old. However, he was only on loan, which just still we I mean we're going to talk about that in a bit don't think Newcastle still have got that model kind of of buying young players as much because we seem to be going for slightly older ones but Arsenal's model is very very good to go and get Gwendouzi, Torreira for very cheap prices relatively. We should really try and copy that model if we are going to be this financially frugal club under Mike Ashley. And I suppose the other thing is these these transfers don't happen in a vacuum. You have the academy at Arsenal. You have a manager and an ownership that seem to be pulling in the same direction. So that must have an impact on on the the politics of the situation. And there just seems to be this latent antagonism between Rafa and Mike Ashley, aside from the the model itself, 
Yeah, I mean, from what I've heard, the thing which frustrates Rafa is that he doesn't mind if there's a budget as long as that he gets the player he wants. He wants, because it sounds to me like he goes in for player. He gets told this is your budget. He finds a player. He says yeah, but then the Ashley regime will find a problem with the deal. Oh, he's too old. He's too injury prone. He's they'll always find something. Or oh, the agent fee is too high. Like. I don't know if you remember, we, we were in for um, Tammy Abraham yes. a, a couple of years ago. Swansea were prepared to pay the loan fee, but Newcastle weren't. There's so many stories of these cases, you know. Um, you just have to look at the Aubameyang deal. Like when he went from Set Etienne to Borussia Dortmund, Newcastle were in for him. But again, we weren't willing to pay the price to, to get him at the time. For Rafa, I think he just wants transparency. I think every all Newcastle fans, all they want is transparency and like to be told the truth. Like, but there's no communication from the club, and I think this is what annoys Rafa. Is and he does so much work preparing like this player. We could bring this player in, but he just keeps getting rebuffed, and it's. I think that's the thing that is frustrating him. The other thing that got mentioned by Paul was the the fixtures list um, being unfair on Newcastle because. Monday Night Football needs big teams and big draw for people to watch. Um, are Newcastle still a big draw for TV with the big clubs, do you think? Um, it's it's interesting. I've, I have thought about this quite a lot recently. I think one of the things that we don't have is we don't really have a star player anymore. Um, and we don't have a, a... I mean, our manager is the big name, really, isn't he? Yes. You know, he's the big asset, really. The rest... You know, I, I remember I went to the City game earlier in the year and the guys behind me um, were City fans and they were talking. They were like, they don't actually know any of the Newcastle players, which when you think about back in the day, Newcastle, even when we weren't that great, we still had star names, star players. And um, probably this team, we don't, it's more of a collective. Um, so I don't, from the player point of view, we don't. Um, I still think... For me, we're not. We used to be in the top six clubs in terms of size, but I think with the way the club is run, the way the lack of success we've had over the last few years, I think we've dropped down now to below the likes of Everton and so forth. It's quite, it's quite sad, really. Well, league position reflects that, um, yeah. and, and relegations, of course. Relegate relegations, and also I think the fact that. You know, we haven't been to cup semi-finals or finals, or you know, even threatened. I mean, our FA Cup record is absolutely dire. I mean, it pains me that Watford are in the semi-finals when you know we lost at home to them. Um, you know, I always think, oh, that could be us. You know, you've seen the likes of Bradford City going to a final, Swansea going to a League Cup final, even Sunderland have been to a League Cup final. We just still, 1999, the last time we got to a final. So for a club of Newcastle size, just not really acceptable, is it? Not at all. Not at all. OK, we're going to hear from Sean, who's another member of the group, and then we'll reflect on his comments going forward. <laughs> Hi, um, my name's Sean. Um, I've been a Newcastle United supporter um, since I was born, to be fair. A um, couple of points that I want to raise um, would be, first of all, um, I think Rafa Benitez is possibly one of the greatest managers that Newcastle United have ever had. Um, 
and he, he's in line with Bobby Robson, you know, and Kevin Keegan for that matter. Um, these have obviously been great managers um, throughout my supporting years um, of the club, and um, you know, prior to that, we, we, we did have some okay managers, you know, that were good people. Um, unfortunately, through um, funds or, or whatever else, you know, they weren't able to um, produce. Um, Jack Charlton and stuff springs to mind um, for, for people like that, you know, who had massive capabilities, you know. Um, was very outspoken, um, was definitely for the fan base, um, but unfortunately the club at that time didn't have a great deal of funds to be able to back up what he wanted to do, um, so they couldn't really deliver, you know. Um, Arthur Cox, um, who on quite a, a limited budget, but obviously in the 80s things were, were, were different back then, you know, but I mean he brought in some great signings. Um, Keegan, MV Verardi, etc. You know, um, were all sort of uh, kind of the the Arthur Cox sort of genre, uh, to say the least. Um, but like I say, I mean, back then, players weren't going for the amount of money that they're going for now, and there certainly wasn't the TV revenue and things and stuff like that um, back then. But uh, all in all, different horses for different courses. Um, I think at this moment in time, we've got. An amazing manager, like I say, I mean, he's a, he's a world beater, you know. He's one of the greatest managers in the world. Not just that Newcastle's ever had, but that the world has ever produced, you know. Um, he, he's absolutely outstanding. Wherever he's been, he's won silverware. Um, wherever he's been, he's also been given the purse strings or, or a war chest, you know, to develop and to bring in a squad that he wants. He's got a, an exceptional team around him. Um, of his own scouts and, and training and everything and stuff, you know, um, that he puts out around the world. Um, unfortunately, he's gave list upon list to the club and they've never acted on it. So the club have asked him for what, who would you sign if you had him between five and ten million? So he's given him a list on that. Who would you sign if you had him between ten and fifteen million? He's given him a list on that. Who would you have at fifteen to twenty million? And it goes on and on. I mean, Rafa and his team have gave the club um, hundreds and hundreds of names, fitting in all different age groups and different price ranges. Enough to see the club, if, if Rafa was to go in the summer, then basically the club have got that list um, throughout his hard work. Um, so they've got more than enough to work off, really. They could essentially bring in another yes man, um, someone who's just a puppet on a string in, in, in sign players off Rafa Benitez's lists um, for the foreseeable future, to be fair. I mean, these these range from sort of 17-year-olds right the way up to, like, sort of 27-year-olds, you know? So there's a there's a lot of scope there for quite a few years, you know? You're talking a good 10-year um, of signings, basically, for, for ones to look out for for the future right the way through, you know? Um, it's unfortunate that... And I feel just as frustrated as many fans, you know, and, and also I, I feel Rafa Benitez's frustrations when he's been given the club all of this information and they've never acted on it, you know. And I think a man of his capabilities, um, you know, in his experience, um, his proven track record, he should be being listened to. Um, so, uh, but I think Michael Ashley... Um, hasn't listened to some of the greatest advice that he's ever been given by one of the greatest managers 
um, that the world's ever produced, to be fair, um, which doesn't make no logical business sense in my mind. I mean, why have, why have an expert um, and not take any notice of him, you know, at the end of the day? You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't do that in, in, in any situation, um, you know, in anything, in any course of business or in any, any form of life. Even just uh, respectfully, um, if I'm going to, like, sort of take out a mortgage or something, then I speak to my mortgage advisor because he's an expert in them areas. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if you've got the greatest manager in the world that's won cups and trophies left, right and centre then surely you would turn to him and say, how do you build a, a, a trophy and a cup-winning squad, you know, and take his advice, would you not? Is that not just common sense? Is that not just, you know, I mean, that's not just business sense, that's just basic common sense at the end of the day. Um, so the total lack of respect and disregard for an expert in his field, um, no pun intended, but he is an expert in his field and on his field, um, you know, that's without question. Why would you not take his advice, you know? Why would you not act on it? What has Rafa Benitez asked for? Um, he's quite happy to develop a squad um, that he has, which is really, it's, it's far short of the mark of where we need to be. We haven't got enough depth or strength within the squad. Um, if we have a couple of injuries, then it, it, it basically, it's back to the drawing board and, it's not so much that it folds like a deck of cards because, thankfully, um, Rafa's managerial skills are able to cope with a, a different situation. Yes, it may mean that he has to have 10 defenders on the pitch, essentially, for the majority of the 90-minute game, um, which obviously frustrates some fans, but what option has he got? You know, He's, he's basically been put in a seat um, to just guarantee a safety position. He hasn't been allowed a, a, a strong enough squad to be able to challenge for, for any trophies. Um, you know, he's kind of, he's running on the breadline. I mean, he's just released a statement earlier this week saying that, really speaking, the need to invest some serious money, you know, and he said like, you know, quote unquote, 75 million pound needs to be spent. Like, Asta pronto, you know? I mean, I don't know where he's going to spend the £75 million, but bloody hell, give him it. That's not a lot at the end of the day, you know? Like, Liverpool paid that for a defender, do you know what I mean? So probably he's thinking he can bring in maybe four or five players for £75 million, which in today's market is a bit of a bargain. And I don't care if it is four or five or if it's even just two. If he's saying he wants 75 million to put into that squad, then you give him it, you know? There should be no question. We've got over £100 million coming in each season of TV revenue, which none of which is coming back into the club. Um, yeah, there's some things in the press saying, well, Newcastle United, or sorry, Mike Ashley, because this is how it's being touted, Mike Ashley has broken the transfer record with um, a £21 million signing. Um, but that's not true. Um, Mike Ashley hasn't. 
um, broke the transfer record. Newcastle United Football Club have broke that transfer record because they've had to take out a, a loan through Barclays Bank to be able to pay for that signing. So essentially, nothing that Mike Ashley's done, you know, when he said he's not putting another penny back into the club, but when he's turned around, he said that every penny that the club generates will be there and available to Rafa Benitez. He hasn't done that. Within that quote, set of quotes there, there was discussion of Rafa's comments this week. Mm. Rafa said in the papers, the final third we have been speaking all season, the final third you have to spend 40 million, 50 million, 75 million. So what are your thoughts on that quote? It's quite telling, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's true what he's saying, that you do have to spend huge amounts of money. Or you need to be able to develop players who are going to turn into that amount of money. A, we've not really developed. I mean, not Sean Longstaff's come through now, but we haven't really developed as like a really great player since you know since Andy Carroll. In terms of how much money you need, the clubs are. You know, I was watching Man U yesterday. They, you know, Man U spent fifty-five million on Fred, and he's he's not even that amazing. So it's about finding the right player. But I think I feel Rafa deserves that money to to try and see if he could do something. Like out of all the managers we've had, he deserves that money, and I, I would trust him to try and you know he'd bring it. He could bring in top players under Mike Ashley. It's just not going to happen. How much do you think the issue is trust in terms of Mike Ashley trusting Rafa? I mean, he must look at, at things like what's happened with Fulham this week, mm. seeing the money they've spent, but still cannoning down the league into uh, the Championship. But how much of it is about Mike Ashley being a control freak? Because we know yeah. the methods he has. Yeah. We know the way he works. It's well established now. Do you think there's a, a parity there or is it, it? Yeah. I think the thing with Mike Ashley doesn't like about football is like I think in his business he can invest and he knows he's gonna get a set amount of return. At Newcastle the I mean the summer we the before the, the season we got relegated, you know, that was our one of our best summers. We bought in Wijnaldum for fifty sixteen million, I think. We bought in Mitrovic, we bought in Mbemba and we bought in Tovan. So we spent a lot of money, and then he went and bought. If you remember, he went and bought Shelby and Townsend in January, and we like we still went down. <laughs> like so, it's um, but that was because of the recruitment was in the wrong positions, and it was a it was a bizarre transfer policy that year. He's possibly think sees that there's no correlation between spending. You're not guaranteed spend huge amounts and do really well, but then. There are clubs like Wolves who've spent good amounts of money and, you know, they're doing really, really well. So you don't know what he's going to do. Like, I would never have thought we would buy um, Miguel Almiron. I, I didn't think that would happen. I was like, we're not going to spend 20 million. But then he goes and buys him. So, <laughs> like, the thing is, is he's very, very unpredictable. You don't really know what he's going to do. Well, as Sean alluded to in the quotes just now, he actually took took a bank loan out to fund that signing. So, again, I think it comes down to the, the transparency issue, doesn't it? Yeah, transparency is, I think, for me, the biggest issue with the Ashley regime is people, I think, fans would understand if he was just being frugal, if he communicated. But Newcastle is like North Korea. Like, I always say this, like, we there's nothing coming out of the club that... Everything is under very secret. Rafa doesn't know. <laughs> it's just really, really difficult to work out. Like, I mean, I think in 
the time he's been here, he's done, what, three, four interviews, Mike Ashley? Lee Charnley, I've never seen him on TV or do any interview. I mean, I've seen him, you know, occasionally do an, uh, an article with The Chronicle. But again, it's very, very rare. So then you've, you've got this figurehead who doesn't really communicate that much with the people above him. You know, everything goes to Rafa and like he doesn't know. So it's, it comes frustrating as fans because you just want to know what's the pl- what the plan is. But there is no plan. You know, it's just Mike Ashley deciding what he wants to do. It's like I think everybody is a bit fed up of during the transfer window, constant takeover rumours every single January. You know, it's happened for the last three seasons. Again, he doesn't communicate. He doesn't tell us what's going on. And like, is he is he is the club off the market now? Is he trying to sell? What is going on? It's just it's that uncertainty which just frustrates fans so much. I mean, the timing of these things is is always quite bizarre. The most recent takeover announcement came three hours literally after a, a protest at Parliament mm. by the London Magpie Group, which may or may not be very widely known and also you had the protests suggested by the the magpie group up in the northeast prior to that and then the 80 million spend that came under steve mclaren came following a a a partial boycott of uh of spurs it seems to me it's not we don't sustain it so we kind of this year we started so badly the season so everyone talked about, you know, the Wolves game, it's on TV, we should boycott. But then results picked up, so it kind of all died down. And like, for me, it should be irrespective of kind of results, because long term, the evidence is over 10 years that we know we're going nowhere. Like, even if we win a few games, realistically, we're going nowhere. Financially, We've been outspent by the likes of Huddersfield, Brighton and Crystal Palace, with which all due respect don't have as big stadiums, don't have as much commercial revenue. So we have to, it has, if we're going to try and get rid of him, it has to be sustained and it has to be irrespective of results because it's despite him, not due to him. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what sometimes is missed. A lot of things that have been tried have been relying on mass scale sentiment yes. uh, rather than low hanging fruit. And I think it's abundantly clear that not everyone shares the same extent of, of mm. that feeling. Sean I mentioned think, this earlier that um, I think 100% of the fan base think he's, he's a bad influence. For me, the other thing, the, the one thing I, I don't want is after waiting all this time to get rid of him, if he is to get rid, to, to, leave, to leave, we have to make sure we have the right owners because and owners that are ready to put money in that care about the community and so forth. Because if you look at the two cases we've had recently, we've tried, the two people have tried. So you had the Amanda Stavely. Seems to me it was more publicity. Did she really have the money? They did never put in a firm offer. And then you had the Peter Kenyon one. It sounds to me he was trying to bid 150 million for the club, which like, no, he's never going to sell for that amount. Like, it's like me going and bidding like 10 million for Lionel Messi. Like, no one's no one's going to accept <laughs> No one's going to accept the bid. So we've had two bids which have been like very well publicised, but not really been sufficient. So we need to make sure that when he he needs, we need to make sure that when he does sell, he sells to someone who you know we know is going to put money up. And also, I've got to be honest, the one thing which is concerning me is we've only just got to look at Bolton, like in the news at the moment, unstable owners. So I just I, I really want him to leave, but I just want it to make sure that the new owner is interested who wants to take on the club who wants 
who's going to be involved and communicate and everything. So it's re it's really important that we get this right. I suppose playing devil's advocate, uh, a lot of people would say, or some people anyway, would say, better the devil you know. But yeah. uh, I think that's long past that with a decade of yeah, what's I think, going I, on. I think I think there's an inertia in the Newcastle fans, and I, I think season ticket renewals will definitely be down this season. I think people fed up with finishing lower, Rafa not being backed, you know, just above the relegation zone. Because it's it's not only that; it's just it's frustrating when you see clubs spending huge, like Wolves and similar. Like we, I think we're, we're a much bigger club than Wolves, in my opinion. Um, you know, certainly. Yeah, and you know we can't we can't even compete with these sorts of clubs, and it's it's embarrassing, really. Like even our signing Rondon was a loan, like and he wasn't even a straight loan; it was a loan because he got Gale off the wage bill. <laughs> it's just it's very 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 frustrating. And he's been essential as well. He's been essential to this season. He's been essential, and. You know, I thought it was, you know, we can take up the option to buy, but it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like he actually, other clubs could buy him. And is history repeating itself? Like, the same thing happened with Demba Bar. I think the likes of Demba Bar, Yoan Kabailoic Remy, you know, these players who were who were quite vilified. If he, he'd seen that this team is going to push on, it's going to push for the Champions League. That season, we finished fifth. That summer, we only bought Vernon and Anita. He'd shown, you know, we're going to push on, we're going to buy these players, we're going to really push to get into that top four and really challenge. Then, you know, these players would have stayed, but, like, if they're seeing every year, you know, net transfer is close to zero, why would you stay? They also take the wrong lessons from things each time. Mm. What worked at that period where we struck gold with Cissé and Barr and Ben Arthur and Goodbye, yeah. they saw that we bought players cheap in this instance therefore that is going to work long term mm. and and that was the wrong lesson to take mm. away from it you know we also had players like Gufran we got for a million some of the signings were just I mean I, I actually think Pardew wasn't the greatest with that group of players personally but um, the, the thing as well that has changed is I think since the Neymar transfer the transfer fees have all gone up and like Newcastle didn't haven't really adapted to that so every time they go in they're still bidding post Neymar transfers you just look at look at Bournemouth they went and spent 19 million on like Dominic Solanke they went and bought Nathan Ake for what 20 mil, 23 million, 20 million. You know, West Ham have spent 22 million on Issa Diop. Newcastle, finally, after Almiron, we went and did something. But for the last two, three years, we've we've just been, you know, trying to get players of five, six millions. Um, key on a free for a 29 year old. It's like, it's just, we're just not active. We don't look like we're big spenders anymore. We're just very frugal and fine. But like, and that's why that, that's, that leads to poor results on the pitch. And that's, that's why we're just above the relegation zone. We haven't spent, like Rafa said, it's, you need, you need these top players to score the goals so that you can be in the top 10 so that you can be exciting to watch we, do, we don't have that I suppose this brings us on we've, we've covered Rondon a bit yeah. and I think that's well documented what's going on there um, I think there's a, a buyout clause or, or, or a clause of 16 million certainly mm. along those lines which is getting pretty close to what was touted for the uh, Almiron transfer you know you can make your own judgment on whether we're going to spend that money for somebody who doesn't follow the policy but we talked in the last podcast about the sliding doors moment it seems that we're there Rafa's comments this week are, are quite telling in the way he's thinking the spend in the summer if he stays is going to be huge do you, do, you, uh, do you think do you think he'll stay 
Because I personally, I don't, I don't think. Well, Luke, Luke think... Edwards said recently uh, he's confident this week of the yeah. contract being sorted. Personally, I think that there's a history of being messed about. <laughs> it's every season where he's been here. Even the year we went up in the championship, he wanted to go and get some players in January because we were struggling. If you remember, we weren't playing very well in that January, and like Brighton were doing well, and the other teams. And it, he wanted some players, and like Mike Ashley said, no, no more transfers. For me, he he doesn't look happy. Um, you know, he looked happier after the Almiron deal, obviously. But generally, he, he's so frustrated because I think he got told something. So why would you stay when you've had promises broken to you for three years? It's like he has to Chinese burn the regime each time into doing something. Yeah. Uh, so January seems to be the big tension. Things happen in the summer. You get the new season. There's a lot of positivity going into the new season. And then January comes around. And if we're doing poorly, then the tensions arise then as they did this year. Yeah. Because I feel Newcastle, we've become obsessed with the transfer window. At the end of August, it was all about, oh, we didn't do enough in the transfer window. What are we going to do in January? Rafa just constantly, every press conference is like, we don't have enough players this is why we're struggling and it's 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 almost like we've sometimes we do forget about the team we're just constantly talking about the lack of money the lack of transfers and it's just for him I'm sure it's just frustrating I think the other thing for Rafa was he wanted to improve the academy he wanted to improve the coaching setup he wanted to improve some of the facilities at the club and you know he's not had help from the regime the Ashley regime no it's worrying you know with a bit of foresight um we set some questions out on social media and we encourage people to get in touch with the pod we asked what happens in the event of him staying what happens in the event of him going so vic bates on twitter uh, mm. said he can't he can't see rafa staying and what will result as a result of that is a decline in player quality and therefore league position which is evident when we've had poorer managers before liam on twitter said he'll walk if rafa goes what does he, he mean by walk i think a season ticket non-renewal yeah, I, th- I think that's the more likely thing that the, you'll see a decline in season tickets. I think Rafa is there will be there'll there'll be the fans obviously who stay because you know they stay they go to the club irrespective of who's in charge. But there's a lot of fans who are just you know they're just everyone's frustrated and if Rafa, you've got a brilliant manager you don't want to back him. He we don't even want him to to be we just want it to, us to compete with the Huddersfields and the Brightons. We're not asking for huge sums, but it's um, I think yeah, like you said, I think we'll see a, a drop in season tickets um liam nicholson said it's a bit more positive i suppose if rafa stays two to three years probably we could kick on but the specter of ambition will always be there mm. uh, which i think is fair assessment to be honest um i there was talk of rafa prior to the season you know wanting to be here for a five to ten year project it's hard to see that isn't it it's it's very hard. I think he he loves the, like the northeast. You know he because he's it's close to his house on the Wirral. He can commute very easily. He likes. I think he sees Newcastle very similar to Liverpool in terms of the area, the way the people are, and I think as well he sees that if he you got the club going then you know so much things could happen because it's exciting. Fifty thousand fans. And he definitely feels that he he could achieve something. And also, we've not won a trophy. So he would be a legend if he was able to bring a trophy, even a good cup run or even a European run. But he also knows that he can't do that if he's not back. The thing I've said always about Rafa is, where could he go? In terms of, if you look at in England, he can't go to Man U because of his Liverpool link. Unlikely he could get the City job now. You know, Liverpool, he's been there. He's managed Chelsea. Arsenal was probably the club 
where he probably could have gone out of all them. And then Spain, he's managed Real Madrid. In Barcelona aren't going to touch him. They're kind of the big two. And then you look at Italy, he didn't have a great, amazing record. So, like, he's, he's quite limited in where he could go. Like, he, of course, he would get a top job. But maybe he still sees that Newcastle is a big club below those top elite clubs. And his dream would be to kind of take them to that level. But I, I think it's very... I, I feel that he's probably... He's going to get offered a job and he'll probably leave. So it's it's very, very tricky. Yeah, it can change very quickly managerial situations elsewhere on a yes. sixpence. So I know there's a lot of relief about Brendan Rodgers getting the Leicester job. Yeah, I was very... I, I thought... For me, that would have been a very good club for Rafa. They're just below top six, not far off the top six. Good squad. I wouldn't have blamed him, but I believe he's got a compensation clause in, which means that if he was to leave, he would have to pay the club a certain amount of money, which is very frugal of Mike Ashley to put that into his contract, to be honest. I think this negotiation, he will make sure he's got release clauses in his, his contract. Okay. Because yeah. it's, it's unlike Rafa to leave before a contract isn't it is up yeah but if it's not ironclad then there's always going to be that mistrust there okay so we'll leave that discussion for twitter uh because that could go and go and go um it brings us nicely onto palace so we've got palace on saturday um thoughts on that yeah so um we have done quite well against palace in the past I remember when we scored in the last minute with the Cisse winner. 90, he had a terrible game, Cisse, that game. He missed like two, three chances. They scored in the last. He's brilliant again. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it's two kind of similar clubs. Um, Palace's form has been really good away from home. They've really struggled at home. And, they, you know, they do very well on the counter-attack with the likes of Townsend, Zaha and Maya. The game earlier in the season was... a very poor game from our point of view, but Sacco missed an absolute sitter in the last minute. So we were quite lucky there to, to get away with a point at Sellers Park. But hopefully, if I think if we could win, then I feel we'll probably be safe after what happened to Cardiff on the weekend. And then maybe that might provoke more Rafa talks, perhaps. Mm. I think when, when the club is secure, that's when they'll do the contract negotiations. But I don't think we'll see an announcement till the end of the season. I'm going to go for a Desmond. I think it's going to be 2-2. Two, two. Really? 2-2? Two, two. Wow. That's, uh, I don't know why. I just fancy that. We'll, I, I do think we've got a good, a decent record against Palace. Hopefully we can, we can do it today, this week. If we see more of the ball, get Rondon, Perez and Almiron into it I think we've got a chance um yeah I never thought we'd beat Everton I I just know I didn't think we'd beat Everton and it really surprised me hopefully we we can carry on and I mean I think we've won five home games in a row hopefully we can carry on that form and you know continue keep making St James's a little bit more of a fortress like we have over the last few games okay Andrew thanks very much it's great to have you as a debut on the pod it was very enjoyable thank you so much yeah let's hope the team win Quick apology to anyone who was caught out by our April Fools. Mike Ashley is not receiving a knighthood, but most of you saw through it straight away. So thanks for liking and please like, comment and subscribe to the podcast. Alternatively, visit our social media channels at at London Magpies, at Twitter, Facebook and Instagram.
And as ever, from AO and LMG, it's over and Ashley out. Bye for now.